The Moe's Knows podcast hosted by Corey Moe's greatly appreciates you for tuning into this week's episode. Enjoy. Good morning. And good evening, beautiful people, for another episode of Moe's Knows. What a week. This is basically a national holiday, right? The day after the Super Bowl. We should all be off of work. I don't know why the government hasn't changed that yet, but maybe we should put in a petition because we should not go to work for Valentine's Day, man. Oh, you need to get that bread for them chocolates. People still got to get them last time gifts. (laughs) Shout out to y'all out there that's, you know, trying to get get your last minute thing so your boo don't be mad at you. Hey, boot up, you know what I'm saying? Or should I say my boo? Talk about the Usher performance. We'll oh, get. We'll, we'll talk about that later. I'm gonna talk oh, about man. that. Hey, but uh, as always, of course, we got a great show for you. Jam packed Super Bowl Monday, the day after. What a game! One of the greatest games we've seen in a minute. Some people, our meteorologist Jordan Darensburg said that's the best Super Bowl he's seen in his life. So, bold take. I will say that first half was kind of, kind of shaky, kind of boring, but the end of it, of course, did what it needed to do. And then Texas men's basketball and Texas women's basketball both getting big time dubs this weekend. We're going to dive into that. And we had a couple of good interviews with former Longhorns Alex Okafor and Tevin Mims to talk about the big game that happened on Sunday. But for right now, Dion, how was your week, bro? Man, smooth week. Um, really just one highlight of my week. I did a Valentine's photo shoot. Uh, super dope. Uh, we did like a little highlight effect. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm planning on dropping that later this week. Um, but yeah, really smooth week. That was really kind of like the highlight. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, busy week for me, bro. Busy week. Uh, did a feature story over women's basketball guard Shaylee Gonzalez. Found out a lot about her and her life and how just how much she grinded to get to Texas. Uh, of course, Arizona Gatorade Player of the Year when it comes to high school. When she was back over there uh, playing for her high school Mesquite High School out there in uh, Arizona, and uh, grew up on the outside court, grinded to get to UT. Was playing against high schoolers when she was in sixth and seventh grade, dropping like. 15, 20 points on a club team, which is crazy. Uh, parents were telling me they had to like tie her jersey up because it was built for high schoolers. Uh, but she's in sixth grade, so of course it looks like a dress on her, right? Mm-hmm. And she's still dropping 15. Like You can see why some players are D1 athletes and why I'm not. Uh, so yeah, I just think it's it's crazy how everyone's backstory has a has a cool little route and, and uh, back roads to it. And um, just was super excited about dropping that that story this week but other than that pretty good week bro really good week and we'll get into women's basketball of course later on in the pod but for right now we got to talk about what happened sunday night in las vegas this may be the one thing in las vegas that's, that does not stay in vegas right Dion, 25 to 22 kansas city chiefs take it and bro we knew we yeah, knew i mean once once see. patrick you know gets the ball in his hands it's, it's over the script. I mean, you. The script was too big, man. They already had wrote the script. I mean, you can't predict. The script writer could predict this, but you couldn't predict this. Like, beginning of the year, we couldn't predict that this was how this season was going to play out. Um, you know, like you were talking about a little bit before the pod. I mean, Chris Jones having his uh, contract dispute mm. at the beginning of the season. Him sitting in the stands with the commissioner, insane. Crazy shot during that game. Like, yeah, I'm watching my team play week one. Could I want to get paid? Like, what a boss move, though, right? Like, such a Wild. boss move. Wild. Like, but they know they needed him. He knew exactly. that. He knew they needed exactly. him. So You would have never guessed. And, I mean, then you just have all the turmoil with Kadarius Tony. Uh, then, mm. hey, Travis is like, yo, script writers, can y'all write us something good, man? This is The season's going a little funky. 
They say, you know what? <laughs> Taylor Swift, bro. <laughs> and Travis is like, what? Okay, let's. Hey, F it, bro. I... Taylor, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to rock with you. Yeah. yeah. Come pull up at the game. You know what I mean? She joined the bandwagon. Uh, you got Kadarius Tony ruining great moments. Him having mm. to just. Bro, it's crazy how somebody's stock can just dramatically drop in one year. Right. I mean, last year, he was getting lots of praise. I mean, he, he now... made the play in the Super Bowl, that pump exactly. return. To get them into exactly. position, and it's like, oh, he's going to be a dude next year for this team. Like that's what everyone was talking about after the Super Bowl last year. Was like, Kadarius Tony may be the wide receiver one for this team, and then he's not so even playing. A healthy scratch, a healthy scratch. I'm telling, bro. There's no way. I there's no way I'm a healthy scratch in the Super Bowl. Like, no, I'm gonna find a way to get. Yay, Andy. I'm telling you, there's either going to be 11 men on the field, or there's going to be 12 men on the field. You make a decision, <laughs> but. <laughs> I'm going to be on some, one of these plays, one one play a quarter. Like, hey, I don't even need a lot. Yo, I'll be on a kickoff return. Like, I'm I'm doing something. I'm getting in the game. There's no way I'm a healthy scratch in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And after last year. Yes. Played it. After you were so effective last like, year. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. I mean, the script was just, I mean, then we, got, we, we get to the game. Yo, somebody tears, <laughs> he tears his Achilles. Dre Greenlaw. He tears his Achilles jogging onto the field crazy and you know the the thing with san francisco like i felt bad because if you remember last year during the nfc championship game uh more more injuries more injuries but like it was more like also freak injuries because like nick bosa was standing on the sideline last year during the nfc championship game and on a punt he gets kicked in the leg yeah and now he's gushing blood when he's just a bystander on the sideline like all these Freak accidents happen happening to the, the 49ers. Loki sucks. I feel bad for him because Dre Greenlaw important piece to that defense mm-hmm. and to lose it by a non-contact running onto the field just trying to get like watching can. the video is just so sad. It's like somebody somebody tweeted it's like yo, this is the most goofiest, unserious, but serious <laughs> injury that like yo, he's he's jogging, he's pumped, like, okay, yeah, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. And he takes one step, and it's like, yo, you just, you can't predict that. I'm sure the, the script writers didn't put that in there, but they're like, all right, hey. We'll take it. We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> hey, they make, he making us look good. Like, Oh, what? man. But that is just crazy. Like, Yeah, and oh, I, I'm man. right there with you when it comes to the path that the Kansas City Chiefs have. Because also, like, let's not forget the wide receiver conversation about how many drops they were having. And we kind of talked about this on the last pod with Aaron Lab, but just how MBS, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, you know, being able to make another big play in this Super Bowl, scoring a touchdown. It's like he was all the talk in the middle of the season about how he keeps dropping the ball. And then in the AFC Championship game, he, he makes the play to seal it, and he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. It's just like you can't make this up. What, what, what a freaking – roller coaster of emotions when it comes to this wide receiver room and then we saw a little bit of chink in his armor when it came to Patrick Mahomes earlier this year when they lost to the Bills and he's going off to Josh Allen saying the refs messed it up and he's sounding off in the press conferences something you never hear him do uh and, and side came out naysayer side did come, <laughs> naysayer side did come out for sure and so now it's like oh they're vulnerable Kansas City Chiefs aren't the same Chiefs that we've been seeing. Psych. Playoffs just need to start, bro. I mean, then they lock in. Go on the road, 
beat Buffalo. Before that, they beat the Dolphins in the coldest game ever. And then they go on the road again and beat, to me, the best team in the NFL at the time, Baltimore Ravens. And it's like, it must suck to be any of the 31 other teams knowing that you have Patrick Mahomes in this league. Because, Dion, think about it. San Francisco, there's a reason why they were favored going to the game. They have a better team all around. I mean, they legit do. If you look roster to roster, they have the better squad. And they have the rookie quarterback a seventh-round rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, who, by the way, means he has a small contract. And so this is the formula that a lot of GMs are using nowadays. It's like you use a rookie quarterback, a rookie deal, so then you can build pieces around the rookie deal because you have money to spend, right? And that's how you build a championship roster. Well, Patrick Mahomes said, F all that. Like, it don't matter how you build it. Yeah, I'm still going to beat you. Like get my money and get some free agents out there, and we were we're gonna figure it out during the season. We're gonna figure it out, you know. And it's just like any other GM that may have thinks that may have thought that like that's the formula to win a Super Bowl is to get on a rookie deal of a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes just got rid of that whole idea, and it's just like now what? How do you beat this guy? Because clearly, San Fran, like I said, had the better team, but Kansas City had the better player. I mean, he led the team in rushing with 66 rushing yards for Patty Mahomes. He made a big-time run in overtime to get them into that position to score a touchdown. Oh, my. Like, you can't do anything against this guy. Now, for the first half, it was looking shaky. But when they needed him most, like the avatar, he showed up, bro. And I just... We're watching greatness, man. Third straight time. Well, not straight time, but third time that he's been able to come back down double digits in the Super Bowl. First time since 2004 that they've gone back-to-back, that any team has gone back-to-back when it comes to Super Bowl champions since the Patriots did it back in the day. And I just think, man, this this team is amazing to watch, knowing that, and I was thinking about this the other day, right? This must be what, like, old heads talk about Jordan, you know? Mm -hmm. How, like, we knew he was going to win the game. And I honestly feel the same way with Patrick Mahomes. Like any, if you give him 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, I don't have any doubt that he's going to go down the field and score. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I, he's unless at that point. Freak, unless it's a freak accident, I mean, yeah, it, he's going to find a way. He's going to gonna find a way. Take it to overtime, win the game. But yeah, it, nine times out of 10, maybe even 11 times out of 10, I mean, any time is too much time for this guy. So it, it's sad. I mean, my question to you, though, for season two of this show, do you think they resigned Taylor Swift and Ice Spice for season two? For what the, a weird combo, three. by the way. Time out. Ice Spice and Taylor Swift? They cool? I didn't know that was cool. I mean, they did a song two a year ago, two years ago. But yeah, I don't know. That was really random to just yeah. <laughs> them randomly pop up. She just came out of a show from a whole different country. And it's like, yo... Ice Spice, ice yo. Let me spice. call him Ice. Let me let me call him. Let me call him Miss Spice. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I, I that was weird. That was extremely awkward. And again, the broadcast made sure that we knew that they were in attendance. And my only problem with Taylor, she just why you have to look so shocked the whole time? Mm. Like, you what just, do you mean shocked? <laughs> like on TV? Yes. Like every time they pan to her, she's oh my god. 
Wow. Oh, like, yo, this is not your first game. Why are you acting like this? You just look so. She's excited like, to be on the big first... screen, man. She's excited. See, my question is, I wonder if they tell her in the booth, like, yo, they finna pan to you. You ready? So, oh, yeah, let me get my face together. Oh, my gosh. What? Oh, my. They jumping around. Making money, bro. Oh, man. They making money. They making That's money. That's okay. Odell, you're, you're the new hope. Odell, yeah, I heard. I, I saw, heard him and Odell. I just saw, just saw a picture. Odell is he's 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 taking a he's taking a script out of the scriptwriter's book. He's saying, "Hey, let me go get one of the ones." Who are you talking to? Allegedly, okay. You know, of course, things don't want to get sued. Appreciate my that. boy say well, it looks like allegedly he's dating Kim Kardashian. Mm. So next year, we're gonna have hopefully Taylor Swift and Kim K. Look, Kim K. Yeah, hey, we might have Kim K in the Super Bowl. She ain't been in football since Reggie Bush. Hey, that's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're <laughs> a legend out of retirement. Hey, a legend out of retirement. Odell doing his work early. And he's doing what? Hey, he's doing what he got to do for the team. Shout out to you, Odell. I mean, you Respect. you might be our last hope. Respect, because if if you if y'all can't do it with Kim K, man, yeah, he might win. He might win the next. He might. Win the next 10. And the last person I feel bad for, Kyle, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, bro. Texas X, by the way. Texas Longhorn. Man, I know a lot of the Texas X's were, were cheering for the 49ers because of Kyle Shanahan. But, yeah, dude, he just can't get it done, can he? Yeah, Kyle, it's, it's tough, man. I know it, you you do you, – you get everything you need. Everything. You got the great mind. You got the great play call. Good quarterback. Oh, man, you just, you just seem to always go up against one of them dudes. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, man, it's like they start talking about your legacy, and it's like, dang. Well, the crazy thing is, like, during the game. I remember you for that. Well, it sucks because during the game, people were actually praising him. I remember, like, watching tweets at the end of that game because they were running the football with Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey finished with, you know, about 80 yards rushing. And then, of course, 80 yards receiving. He just did what he – offensive player of the year. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's a robot. Like, it's crazy the way he moves on the field. But – Towards the end of that game, they're running the football. And, of course, that's been the joke since he was the coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons when they were up 28-3 to against New England. And they didn't run the football with Devontae Freeman at the end of that game. And that's what everyone was talking about. Like, why didn't you run the ball? But this game, he did. Like, he actually did run the ball with McCaffrey at the end of the game. And they got in the field goal range. And, you know, it's just like he did everything he could. He had the best roster that he could have ever had. It's just you're going against, like you said, one of them dudes. <laughs> you're going up against, <laughs> you're going up against the, the adult goat and the baby goat. And he's just like, yo, can you somebody, what's the Kevin Hart mean? Naysayer, help me. Please. Can one of y'all beat him so I can play one of you regular people? Like, oh, my gosh. It's like- I have to go against Tom and Patty? Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, I man. mean, it's, it's it's sad, you know. Like Aaron, Aaron mentioned on uh, one of our previous pods that, yeah, Patrick it might be the reason why a lot of guys, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't get a the ring, dynasties, get... the legacies, they're gonna be tainted because of yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Like, and it's just, I mean, think of Lamar, that's, right? That's like sad. Lamar at winning MVP for the second time, the youngest ever to win two MVPs at that age, and. No Super Bowl in sight because of Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm I'm hoping that, you know, Patty doesn't mess up Lamar's run when it comes to getting Super Bowls. But 
like think about like even Josh Allen, like people talk about Josh Allen, like he's he's that dude. I mean, they they put him up there in the same tiers of a Lamar Jackson and a Patrick Mahomes and a Joe Burrow. But like he can't beat one dude. You know, like I, mm-hmm. it just sucks. It sucks for other guys that have a lot of talent, you know, and Josh Allen is a freak of nature. If you look at his size, his speed, his throwing power, but Patrick is different. You know, you just yeah, can't you, beat him. You're going up against a guy with a dad bod. <laughs> How about that picture, by uh, the way? Crazy. <laughs> didn't not help you're his. Going up against a guy with a, a dad bod and a Kermit. I'm going to say it didn't help his you, Kermit agu- accusations, bro. Like <laughs> you can't beat this. You can't beat him. You just can't beat him. You know. So yeah, I wanted to also like we're going to talk about this with, of course, Alex Okafor when he comes up and Tevin Mims, but the overtime rules and you know San Francisco getting the ball first. And even though they won the coin toss. And for those of you like myself who had to get reminded yesterday when it comes to the overtime rules, but how each team still gets a chance to possess the football, even if the other team that got the ball first scores a touchdown. I know the rule used to be if you score a field goal, you get a chance to get the ball back. But if a team scored a touchdown in the first drive, game's over. But of course, if you remember Kansas City Chiefs versus the Buffalo Bills, Patrick Mahomes, that's what Patrick Mahomes does. He goes on the field in like 13 seconds, ties the game up, goes to overtime. They get the ball first, scores a touchdown, game over. Like It's crazy. He benefited He benefited from the rules. Both, both. That's crazy. <laughs> both. That's a great crazy. point, bro. That's crazy. He win. He win because of the rule. And boom. Like, oh, hey, we got to get a second chance. Like, look at that. It's crazy. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he won from both sides of the rule. Um and so, of course, you know, Buffalo makes a big deal about it. And, of course, the nation did, you know, because you saw two high-powered offenses going back at it the whole game. And then Chiefs won the toss, and they won the game. Like, people wanted to see Josh Allen get his shot. And so they changed the rules so that now, if you score a touchdown on your first drive, the other team still gets a chance to score. Now, apparently, Dion, the 49ers didn't know that. <laughs> they didn't do their prep. I mean, after the game, they asked fullback Kyle Juszczyk, did y'all know that y'all could get the ball back even if the Chiefs were a touchdown? Because, like I said, San Fran won the toss, but they chose to get the ball first as if it was the old rules. And this is what Kyle Juszczyk said. He says, I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. That's not the rules anymore, Kyle. They changed them. They changed them. And so now on the flip side, they talked to Drew Tranquil, uh, the reporters that after the game, the safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is what he said about the overtime rules. He said, we had we had an overtime rules presentation and strategy meeting every week of the playoffs and twice in our Super Bowl prep. Hashtag Big Red. Shout out Andy Reid, of course, for getting them prepared. So the Chiefs knew everything about these overtime rules backwards and forwards. And that shows why they're a seasoned team. They've been through it. They've done it. They're Super Bowl champions. And then the 49ers, on the other hand, had no clue what to do. Or they they knew they thought they knew what to do, but they didn't realize the rules weren't the same as they were a year ago. So, yeah, I, I just think that that's just a testament of this game, right? Chiefs have been there in that moment. They've overcome that moment. And then they execute when they need to execute. And that's what happened at the end of the game. That's what happened in overtime. I mean, San Francisco have a chance to score. 
like you mentioned earlier, Chris Jones making a big play, getting pressure on Brock Purdy. He has to throw it up, not getting the accuracy he wanted, and then they had to kick a field goal. Like, this team just steps up in big moments. And again, we're seeing greatness, people. And I hope that you don't worry about Taylor Swift. I hope that you don't worry about Travis Kelsey yelling and pushing Andy Reid on the sideline. <laughs> I hope you understand that we're watching history. And a guy in Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, three-star recruit out of high school from White House, Texas, went to Texas Tech. And now he is considerably the best quarterback of all time. Appreciate what we're watching. Please, please don't hate. But yeah, I can't wait to talk to Alex Okafor, former Super Bowl champion for the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, Tevin Mims about this game. But in the meantime, Dion, let's dribble it over to the court when it comes to Texas men's basketball. And what a win. It felt like a much-needed win, huh, Dion, after everything that transpired last week. I'm going to say dribble. I mean, we watched a boxing match <laughs> and they knocked them upside the head. <laughs> as soon as the game started, like, it was a great uh, it was a great game from Texas. Um, like I was telling you before we started, um, you know, of course, it's easy to look your best playing a, a team that's not as good, you know, even, even though they did lose to them earlier in the season, but I mean, this is the best version of Texas I think we can possibly imagine. I mean, you got six guys in double figures. You got your big man starting the game off seven mm. for seven. Like, everybody chipped in. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is the best version of this team. And it, the the question that we've been asking all year is just, can they do it <laughs> again? Can they do it? Can they do it in the next, next game? game? In the next game. That's a great in point. The next game after that, you know? Um, so, yeah, like, when they're clicking all cylinders, everybody's chipping in. Got your two guys controlling everything in uh, the suit and Naismith. Um, <laughs> this, team, this team can rock. This team can hang with the best of them. And, you know, this team can, has the potential to, you know, make a deep run. But, like I say, some nights they want to hoop. Some nights they feel like taking a night off, and you can't do that in a Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah, you and you and just like you, you mentioned, know? like it all starts with Desue and Max Aismas, and of course Desue came out firing, like you mentioned, seven for seven from the field to start the game. And like we were talking about this earlier, but just the this felt like the first time in a while, maybe since Big Twelve play started, that the Longhorns started out fast on both ends of the floor, right? I mean, when it comes to the game against Baylor, then that's what struck my mind when it came to uh, how fast they started against the Bears at the Moody Center. But the only thing was the Bears also started fast, right? They were shooting the mess out of the basketball as well. So it was a high-scoring game to start that game. Um, but this past weekend, Texas came out fast, and then their defense came out strong. And so now you're looking at a double-digit lead four minutes into the game five minutes into the game and so it's like wow this is what it looks like when you play on both ends of the floor with intensity and with just concentration to get stuff done and accomplished and when you have a dude like Desu, who by the way like where's the NBA talk for Desu? I mean this this kid is averaging 56 percent from the three-point line on 55 shots as a big man this is what we're what the NBA looks like nowadays. Big right. man going to the three-point line, but then also having a post game down low because Desu does have that. He has post moves as well on the block. 
where is the talk when it comes to the NBA for Dylan DeSue? There's a lot of talk for the other Dylan, Dylan Mitchell. And of course, it's definitely well-deserved the way he can guard one through five. His athleticism is out the roof. And of course, his motor on the boards has has really grown over this season. But for a guy like Dylan DeSue and his scoring potential on offense, I mean, 27 points his last game. He's averaging 17 points and five rebounds for the season. Coming off of an injury, by the way, Dion, he's not even fully healthy yet. I don't think he's fully conditioned. Now, he may be healthy, his foot may be fine, but I don't think conditioning-wise, he's in basketball shape. I don't think he would say he would be in basketball shape um, to the fullest extent. And so he still has room to grow, still has room to get 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 into that conditioning shape. And so where is the NBA talk, Dion? What, what do you like about Dylan DeSue's game? Because you love watching him play. Look, man, like I say, I, I became a fan. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that, you know, the post position left in the the 2010s, but it's making a resurgence back and it's revitalized. It's, it's you know, it's a new it's a new big man. It's not the old big man of we're going to walk the ball up. You're going to go from block to block. We're going to dump it in. You're going to shoot it. And that's it. Like the big man is revitalized to now we can play. We can run the floor. We can dribble the ball. Like I said, he is a good passer as well. Um, he can do everything, you know, and that's what the big man is. I think the big man is now the most skilled position on the floor just because they have to they have to do everything. They have to be able to guard one through five. They have to be able to rebound, shoot, post up, uh, you know, do everything you're asking for. And I think Dylan DeSue does that at a very high level at every every attribute. Um, and so – I know you said something about second round. If I'm a first round team, one of these bum bum teams in the league, yo, I'm getting me a I'm getting me a big. There's plenty of guards. There's plenty of guard. You can always find a good guard, but we're still in the time where um, getting a good quality big that can do everything on the on the checklist and not a, a Rudy Gobert, one of the biggest scammers on, in the man. league. Uh, not a Rudy Gobert that's just a tall guy that can rebound. And you know he scores that way. Defensive player of the um, year, man. Come on, can... bro. Give me sh- multiple yeah, he... times. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Is is that that would we're, we're gonna say All that right, talk another time? But but somebody that can actually contribute on the offensive <laughs> end because again we're gonna see we're gonna see Gobert in the playoffs and it's gonna be the same <laughs> outcome of hack a Gobert uh, or he's not gonna be in the fourth quarter. But somebody that can contribute on mm. both sides. One of these bum teams at the bottom, Pistons, uh, Spurs, put him on the other side of Wimby. Mm. Uh, like I said, he's a good passer, so he'll actually pass Wimby the ball, you know. Uh, <laughs> put him with the Mavs, put him with the uh, the Hawks. Like, somebody that can, can need to big. And there's a lot of teams in the league that still need a good big that's not, you know, one of these 2010 bigs that's just a catch, catch alley-oops and yeah. protect you know, the rim. maybe block yeah. a shot here and there. So, yeah. I mean, what about you? What do you? Yeah, think? I mean, I, I, you... well, the thing I like so much about Dasue right now is his confidence, right? You know, he talked about in the press conference after the game how they were sagging off on the pick and roll, and so they were giving him the pick and pop, and coaches were telling him, "Shoot it!" Of course, you're averaging fifty six percent from three pointer. Like, shoot the ball. And so they gave him the green light, and guess what? He was green all day long. Green beans, I should say. And it seems like that confidence that he had at Vanderbilt, right, before he transferred to Texas, 
I mean, during that time in Vanderbilt, he was averaging 37% from three-pointer in the year 2020 to 2021. And, and he's talked about that with us, right? But how when he was at Vanderbilt, as one of the first scoring options on that team, he felt confident to take a bunch of shots. He felt confident to take three-pointers that may not be fully open or wide open, a little, a little bit contested, but he had the confidence in himself to know that I can still hit this shot or I can still go in the paint and get buckets. And now you can see that offensive game coming back and that confidence to take a bunch of shots and basically carry a team. I mean, think about the game against Iowa State uh, last week. He's the one that brought them back into that game, you know, scoring 28 points. And so I just think it's so crazy that we've seen the transformation of Dylan DeSue starting in about the latter half of last season and then going to the Big 12 tournament, winning most outstanding player in that tournament. And then for the first two weeks or the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, he averaged 28 and 10. Like 28 and 10. I mean, NBA dude's not even doing that right now. Uh, and so oh, to do that on the highest stage before injuring his foot, you got to see glimpses of it. And I think everybody was questioning, can he carry that over into this season? And he's done that and more. He's become the offense alongside Max Aismas. And, you know, you talked about all facets of the game being able to be displayed for Dylan DeSue. One thing that wasn't displayed this past weekend was rebounding, right? He only had one rebound. <laughs> he, he said, F that. F I'm that. getting I'm buckets. Shooting the <laughs> I'm shooting the three tonight. Hey, somebody else figure that part out. <laughs> I'm getting buckets. I'm yeah, letting it fly. But they actually talked about that after the game about only having one rebound. And so listen to what Dylan DeSue had to say about that and how – yeah, he may have only had one rebound on the stat sheet, but he was still down low, boxing out. Yeah, um, to touch on the rebounds, you know, um, today just wasn't my day uh, rebounding-wise. I, I was tasked with blocking out the seven-footer um, and not letting him get as many uh, offensive rebounds because he's a, a great offensive rebounder, and he's so long that he gets a lot of tips uh, on the ball and then Pender's tips. Relax, bro. Uh <laughs> Um, so that was kind of my my task, um, and the guards did a great job of rebound today. Uh, Kendall had six, Max had six, Tyrese had five. So when the guards are getting that many rebounds, it's, it's difficult for for me to fight the big guy and get the rebound. So they did a good job today. First off, I gotta say, there's some clowns, bro. They <laughs> have like a pause moment. For Come sure. on, bro. For sure, that is. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's really long, but he should have known better. Yeah, you gotta know your he words. You gotta know your words there. Definitely, especially with the Brodies up there with you, they're gonna talk trash. Exactly. <laughs> but he made a good point though. Gotta get your. He made a good point. Me. Like he had to box out other dudes like Dylan Mitchell, Kendall Weaver crashed in glass as well um, from that guard position. Yeah, that that's that's what team basketball and team rebounding looks like, right? But of course, Dylan knows that he needs to be on the glass. And if you listen to Rodney Terry after the game. Apparently, Dylan knew that he had a great game, but he also knew that he didn't have a great game on the boards and he wished he could do better on that side of the floor. You know what? I'll tell you what. I thought he played really hard, you know, and, uh, you know, as long as that ball's going in the basket, he, he even said it at the end. He's like, man, coach, I played great, shot the ball extremely well, but only had one rebound. You know, the injury he's coming back from is not an easy injury to play with in games and in practice and to manage, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff. So, you know, I give those guys a lot of credit for what he's been able to do this to this point right now, and, and him as well, being able to push through 
a lot of pain. He'll be sore tomorrow, really, really sore tomorrow. He'll be sore the following day. Uh, and then uh, then we have to try to, you know, wheel him up and get him going a little bit again. So, yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, right, Dylan DeSue is still trying to get back into game shape when it comes to, like, extended minutes. Of course, he's still doing rehab. He's not able to do every single drill when it comes to practices practice schedule because he's in the training room doing his recovery and so Ronnie Terry like he knows that this team can still get better if DeSue can continue to get his lung capacity up and conditioning going like he's going to be a threat for long periods of times and I think right now having DeSue effective on the boards and on a defensive end that's the next step for him but on offense he's Gucci Dion oh yeah you like I say I want to see him. I want to see what he looks like yeah. at that next level. Uh, like I said, there's there's plenty of room for any squad. Um, I hope he's not one of those guys that falls to you know second round, maybe even undrafted, just because they're yeah. overlooking him. Because um, like I say, a big that can shoot the ball and plays every can do everything you need. There there got to be a spot for him in the league, and preferably first round, because I can definitely see him. Helping a, a franchise, one of, like I said, one of these bum teams really, you know, turn things around, especially <laughs> especially like the Spurs, you know. Like I said, he's a good passer, so we know that women's going to get the ball uh, instead of what he's, instead he's what he's getting right And you now. talk about first round, Dylan Mitchell, he'll, he'll be a first rounder in this next draft. And I feel like this game, right, went into waves. So of course, first part of the first half, Dylan, Dylan DeSue doing his thing. Shot seven for seven to start the game out. But then... In the middle of that first half, towards the latter end, the role players started to step up, like Adela Mitchell, getting steals, getting fast break dunks, doing the showtime, smiling in the cameras. You know what I'm saying? Kendall Weaver getting to the action, hitting his head on the backboard because he wants to pull up and <laughs> show off the hops, I guess. Uh, great moment for him. Funny moment, of course. But, of course, showing, like, he's a dog on defense. And Dion, I've been saying it, I've been saying it, I've been saying it. Tyrese Hunter is the X factor on this team. When he is hooping, this team is nice, bro. This team is nice when he's hooping. But the problem is, is he consistently hooping? Exactly. Exactly. Is he consistently hooping? And Coach Terry talks about it all the time, right? Like, when it comes to Tyrese, the defensive side of the ball gets him going. And now, of course, the first couple shots that he took today, well, in that game over the weekend, he made him. So confidence-wise, gets him going a little bit. And Tyrese is a guy is when his offense is going, his defense gets ignited. And that's why they brought him into Texas from Iowa State because he was a great defender his freshman year at Iowa State. And so where's that tenacity? Where's, where's that sense of vocal leadership on the defensive end? Well, it comes when he's scoring on offense. Now, Ronnie Terry would love for that to be flipped, right? He would love for his defense to carry his offense. And I think that's what they're trying to instill into Tyrese right now. After the game, Coach Terry compared Tyrese to uh, Daniel Gibson, one of the former Longhorns, played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. He said in high school, Daniel Gibson could drop 70 points easily. you know. But when he got to Texas, it was all about learning how to sit down and play defense on the perimeter. And that's what got him to the league with the Cleveland Cavaliers, of course, playing with LeBron James back in the day. And so with Tyrese, it's the same exact thing. Can he focus on defense first, which then ignites his offense? I mean, he finished with 19 points, 7 assists, 
two steals, diving on the floor for loose balls. That tenacity and that intensity is a fuel to this team, in my opinion. And when Tyrese is on, this team looks like an Elite Eight, a Final Four type of squad. And so, yeah, the, the role players did their thing in the middle of that first half. But Dion, at the end of the first half, don't forget, you have that dude. <laughs> you have that dude in Max Aismas, bro. And he's only 14 points away from scoring 3,000 for his career. He actually passed Oscar Robinson all time when it comes to scoring in NCAA. This kid, Maju, let me say that again. He passed Oscar Robertson <laughs> for scoring all time in NCAA. I mean, crazy no. crazy, crazy names. names, crazy names to be compared to crazy numbers to crazy names to be passing. That's that's, you know, you're in the mm-hmm. history books, man. You're in the history books. So, yeah, now nah, this is like I say, I mean, this is the best version of this Texas team. Um, you know, hopefully after this week off, um, they come back and play mm-hmm. Houston. You know, hopefully it's a good good week off or, you know, it's not a sluggish week off where some teams come back and take some while to uh, get get back uh, active and acclimated to the game. Because, um, I mean, we all know that this Houston team is, is not yeah. a joke. So I, I, hope, I hope it's a good week off. I hope it's a good week off. And, I mean – all right. Do you have any predictions? Do you think it's going to be a close game? Do you think it's high score? Uh, like, what do you think that week question. off? You know. Yeah. What am I thinking? Uh, I'm thinking U of H dominated the boards last time they played Texas, right? And if you look at the stat sheet from this game against West Virginia, Caden Shedrick, the guy that you brought in from Virginia to grab boards to be that anchor point, he only had nine minutes in this game. Uh, this past weekend and so he's still dealing with that back injury and so I'm hoping this week off right gets him healthy gets him going gets him back into uh, at least healthy enough shape to play 20 to 25 minutes because they're going to need him against UH to box out to get boards because UH crashes the glass and that's kind of what made them lose the last time they played UH at the Moody Center in overtime they dominated the offensive boards and they were able to get second chance points and especially in overtime that's how he took the lead because of the second chance points. And so they're going to need Caden Cedric to come back healthy enough. He's not going to be fully healthy probably for the rest of this year, but just healthy enough to be effective. And so I expect it to be a revenge game too, because I know Texas knows they should have won that game in Austin. Um, they had the ball late. They had the last possession. Tyrese Hunter turns the ball over, gives UH the ball back. And, you know, those type of moments, right, uncharacteristic, and I just think that they feel like they're the better team. And so I think that's the same way they felt against West Virginia, right? Last time they went, they played West Virginia, they lost to them. They played probably the worst game that they played all season, having 22 turnovers, only seven assists, put West Virginia on the line 41 times, 41 free throws for the Mountaineers when they played up in Morgantown. So, of course, when they came down here this past weekend, Texas knew what y'all just saw against in Morgantown wasn't the team that, we want to represent and so we're going to prove to y'all and we're going to beat y'all by nearly 40 points <laughs> to say hey we're better than y'all and i i'm not saying they're going to beat uh by 40 but i will say they're going to come out with a different type of mentality on the glass and not get pushed around on that side of the court and so yeah i, I think it's going to be of course another great game but texas and a revenge factor as we've seen throughout this season 
they've been able to step up in big moments, especially when they feel like their backs are against the wall. And I just think there'll be another situation like that again against UH. So, yeah, it's going to be a good game, Dion. I really do. I think so. All right, so now let's jump over to the women's side, right? Because they also had a dominating win for UT, 65-43 to over TCU at Fort Worth, by the way, the same arena that the Texas men's basketball won a week ago at. And so this game was, was a little bit different, though, when before the men's, um, when, when it comes comparing to the men's, is that men start off really hot, right? But for the women's, it kind of took them a little bit to get going on offense. Halftime. Yeah, very slow. Halftime score is actually 23 to 20. But, Dion, this has been kind of like the narrative lately when it comes to UT women's basketball. They kind of start off a little bit slow on offense, but defensively, they're still locking up. Like, don't forget, against the number two team in the country, Kansas State, last week, they held them to 19 points at halftime. And so, again, holding TCU to 20 points at halftime this time around. I mean, this defense is locking up. And that must help out the offense in the second half whenever they can finally start to see shots go down. Yeah, and I think the big thing is, we, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking uh, before we started recording, that from what I watched, they didn't go zone this game. It was all man up. We're in your face. They they went press a few times. Um, Madison Booker was put, picking up full court. Um, they really was like, yo, you know, a zone is great, but when you're man to man and that person is really in front of you, it's intimidating. Yeah. It's intimidating. And with a great defensive squad like this, um, I mean, they really put the put their hands on the ground and, and said, "Hey, y'all, y'all are not better than us." Um, and you could tell just from the tip, um, this was a game that they were going to win. They were going to win. Um, from I guess you, we said first half offensively they were struggling, but I mean. Second half, TCU decided to go his own the whole game. I guess that mm-hmm. was their plan to, you know, slow him down. But, I mean, second half, they third quarter specifically, they started getting going, and they just started picking that zone apart. I mean, inside, it was unstoppable. They were just passing the ball around and getting a layup every every single time. So, uh, this, this game for Texas was one of those statements like, yo, our offense can struggle in the first half. Uh, Madison Booker, again, had a high turnover game with seven turnovers. But – once they start getting it going offensively, it's scary because then they got both sides clicking. So, well, I mean, what are you thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine had those seven turnovers against Kansas State uh, last week and then this past game against TCU having three. And so, like, another kind of high turnover game, I guess you could say. But you can tell that the turnovers are going down. That's something that Coach Schaefer really did emphasize this week. And the team only had nine total. And so that's a blessing, you know, to see that they listen to that message that Coach Schaefer is trying to preach to them. But take care of the basketball and we'll be fine. And that's exactly what happened, because what's been what's been going on lately is that they've been playing great defense. But then they're giving the ball away on offense, which then allows breakouts, fast break points for the other team. And that's how teams are able to stay in this game. But when it comes to this contest against TCU, they took care of the ball and played great on defense. So maybe their shots weren't falling but they weren't allowing TCU to get any easy buckets. But in the second half, Madison Booker started to do her thing. Of course, Shea Holly led the team in scoring. And I'll tell you what, with Shea, man, I, if we, there was like a most improved award for this Texas team, it will be for Shea because she has been able to prove time in and time out. She can do any type of role, right? If they need her to guard the best player on the other team, she can do that. If they need her to score, 
Heck, against Oklahoma, she dropped 22 points. She's done that. And this game against TCU leads the team in scoring 14. I mean, she's been able to fit into the gap of any role that they need her to play. And with her athleticism and her experience as a hooper, you can tell that she continues to get better and better. This is actually the most points that she's averaged in a season in her career with seven. And her confidence level of taking shots, you can just tell that. And she, she's ready and locked and loaded to shoot the ball whenever she has the open three. And to have that type of confidence is something you didn't see early in her career. But now she's 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 dragging her mug up, man. <laughs> and she's making it, you know. And, and it's so great to see that development in her. And that's all Coach Schaefer, right? Telling her that she can shoot it. Telling her that we want her to shoot it. And having that type of, um, I guess you could say, assurance from your coach goes a long way when it comes to a lot of basketball players and so props to shea holly she's she's shooting 33 percent from three right now she was shooting 39 percent last year uh but she's taking more of those shots um and so they're winning in different ways right dion like we talked about going down low a couple weeks ago with Aaliyah moore and how dominant she's been of course taylor jones had her games as well down low but nobody had double digit rebounds this game you know mm-hmm. and and that's different than most of these Texas contests because usually they're dominating on the boards. But this time around, it was a team effort. No one really uh, took over that. But it's cool to see that, one, they didn't dominate on the boards. And two, Madison Booker didn't have to pop off for 25 points. And they still won the game by 22. And so that's scary, knowing that they didn't play like they usually play. And they still won by more than 20. They didn't have to go to the zone. Like you mentioned, Dion. they stayed in man the whole game. They didn't have to do that. But as we know from experience with Cincinnati, they could go zone if they need to. And that's another whole factor. That, great secret, secret weapon. Yeah. Whenever you need to tap into it. You, it yeah. You know what, guys? Let's, let's go ahead and get into the zone. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a great feeling that, hey, whenever the time calls for, if things are going bad, we can, we can still lock you up. You don't think just because our man may be a little shaky this game, yeah. we still got that in the back pocket. So, yeah, like you said, that's that's always a great feeling to have in your back pocket. Yeah, and also having a, a point guard now outside of Madison Booker because they're they're asking Shaylee Gonzalez to do a lot more when it comes to ball handling and running the offense because I think Coach Schaefer witnessed, like, having so much on Madison's plate does get overwhelming at times for her because we got to remember she's a true freshman. Like, and she didn't come on his team to be the star. You know, she was thinking she was going to have a, a year or two to kind of learn on Rory and then take over the squad. But she was thrown into this position. Unlike other freshmen around the country, you know, Madison just won a national player, national freshman of the week award. Now, mind you, Juju Watkins scored 51 points at USC in the same week. But the NCAA gave the award to Madison Booker instead. So that shows you how much responsibility is on Madison's plate and the national media is recognizing that but you want to give her a breather from time to time and so I think having Shaylee run point for a couple possessions so that Madison can play off ball has been a blessing in disguise for Madison so she can get her shots up right and not feel like she's forcing anything and so like I said it's just another way that Texas has been winning games and they're figuring it out they're putting the pieces together Deanna Gaston is starting to come along from her injury and get back into game shape. And so they can get her healthy enough, kind of like Caden Shedrick, how we were talking about. Deanna's never going to be fully healthy, right? But can she be healthy enough 
to be able to provide an instant impact when she steps on the court for 15 to 20 minutes or 20 to 25 minutes, however many she gets, can she be an impact? And I think if she can get to that point, this is a dangerous team. But we'll be remiss to not mention not the game, but what happened before the game, Dion, uh, and what all took place and transpired before the Longhorns even took over the court. Listen to this soundbite from Coach Schaefer describing what happened hours before the game as they were traveling to Fort Worth. We had a really good shoot around this morning, even though the bus broke down on the way here, and we had to Uber here in the rain. Um, you adjust, and that's what we did. I mean, between the bus breaking down, Ubering in the rain, getting here, going back, no water pressure at the hotel when you're in there taking a shower, then coming here and you got to walk through the football stadium in the rain. It's been a heck of a day. Oh, and by the way, we played a basketball game. <laughs> Dude, if, if all that happened to me before a game, I'll be pissed. I won't be able to focus. Yeah. Bus breaks down, got to take Ubers, and you know you got to take those Uber XLs. Because, you know, they, these aren't small women. You know, we talk about six-footers. And so Uber Excel is about four or five of the mugs. Get to the hotel. You finally get to the hotel. And then, bro, you ain't got no water pressure. Can't even take a good shot, man. <laughs> like, I'm fighting somebody in Fort Worth. Like, there's you think you think it was set up? You think somebody did something? I think it was a sabotage. <laughs> I think they were mad about the, the Texas men's mm. from, uh, you know, a week ago. So it's like, yo, quit. hey, yo, go mess up their bus. <laughs> And uh, what I think we know what hotel they staying at. Yeah, go mess up. Give them a little drippy faucet. Yeah, I'm giving a good one. Give them a drippy cold faucet. Yeah, it had to be, bro. That's, they won't be ready for, for this game day. at all. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's too much for one day. That's just too much. And then you wonder right? why they struggled on offense in the first half. I mean, you can't blame yeah. them, right? You can't blame them. They're trying to trying to get warm. <laughs> They're trying to get warm, literally. You know. But all that adversity, right? Overcoming that and being able to win by 22 points, big time deal. They're now, uh, I believe, seventh in the country. Um, or number five in the country, I, I guess I should say. I got a text from the SID, Jeremy Rosenthal, earlier this morning. Let me just clarify because we are a great... Number five, Okay, yeah. very, thank you. Appreciate that. But I say journalism over here for the Most Knows podcast. But um, two days after Rory tears her ACL, that's the last time they were number five in the country. Can you believe that? And guess what? They made their way all the way back to number five again for the second time this season. And this team is nasty, D. Like, they continue to win in different ways. They can pound it down low. They can shoot it from three. Or they'll just not be good on offense and lock you up. <laughs> and then do transition offenses that way. So I'm interested to see how far this team can go. Coach Schaefer talked about how they really do think they have a shot to win the Big 12 tournament. And I think they do, too, even without Rory Harmon. And if they're able to accomplish that, and maybe make a run to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16. You, you just saw Iowa this past week. Caitlin Clark lose to an unranked Nebraska team. So anybody can get that L. You know what I'm saying? You just got to make it and get a good seed in the big dance. And the way it's looking, Texas can accomplish that. And they're only getting better, Dion. So, so much, so much, so much excitement for this squad. And for both teams, men's and women's. I agree. So like Looking at the, the rest of the ladies' schedule for this month, I mean... Playing some of the, the lower mm-hmm. lower teams in the That's Big a good 12, point, bro. So, That's a good point. You know, it it's looking it's looking very bright, you know. They let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, they played four of the bottom tier teams and then they got Oklahoma at the end of the month. So they got the easiest schedule 
when it comes to the top three teams right now, right? Well, top four, because mm-hmm. the four-person race, it's Oklahoma, Kansas State, Texas, and West Virginia. That's the order when it comes to the Big 12 standings. Oklahoma is 11-1 in conference. Texas State is 10-2 and in conference. And then Texas and West Virginia are tied at 9-3. and Now, Oklahoma and Kansas State has a very tough schedule to end the year. But like you just mentioned, Dion, Texas has a... I don't want to call it easy because no game is easy. Yeah, but it's on the easier side. And so, and they're on a four game winning streak. So they're rolling right now. And so I'm interested to see if the end of the season comes around that game against Oklahoma. Is that going to be the game that, you know what I'm saying? And if it does, now mind you, Oklahoma beat Texas in Austin last time they played. And they, that Mm -hmm. last game, Oklahoma scored over 90 points. I mean, they were hooping and that, that kind of sparked this defensive mindset for Texas women's basketball. After that game, Coach Schaefer thought it was an embarrassment, you know, when it comes to what UT represented on the defensive side of the ball. And so he got in their ears that next practice. And since that game, they've been hooping uh, on defense. So they want that rematch. And I'm sure beating them in Norman will be a nice little icing on the cake to end the season heading into the Big 12 Conference Tournament. So yeah, it's getting uh getting a little spicy down there in the Big Twelve for women's, bas- for women's basketball, man. And I'm excited to see how this thing finishes up. But like you said, easy ske- easier schedule for Texas if they can just finish it out, play Oklahoma at the end of the year, and who knows, maybe they'll be playing for the regular season Big Twelve title. All right, so we finished up basketball talk. Let's transition back over to the gridiron because now we are going to be joined by my main man Alex Okafor, former Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's actually came back from double digits against the 49ers the first time with Kansas City. I can't wait to talk to him about that. And, of course, playing under who maybe some would consider the best defensive coordinator of all time is Steve Spagnuolo, winning his fourth Super Bowl this past weekend. So hope you all enjoy the interview with my boy, A.O. All right, so now I'm joined by the main man, A.O., Alex Ogilford, my brody. Hey, your boy's got another Super Bowl championship. How does it feel? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This is unreal, man. It's, um, I don't know. They're, they're, three, they're three deep right now. They got three rings. They've been to four Super Bowls. I mean, at this point, you can almost pencil them in every year, but it doesn't feel that way. Like, it's always, like, suspenseful, like, if I'm being honest, I feel like the Chiefs are always underdogs, which is crazy to me. So I say all that to say that I'm glad we won. Uh, they always going to make me sweat, but a win is a win, <laughs> and, and I'll take it. Love Before that. we get into the game, though, we got to talk about uh, – man, I saw some footage of you hitting the casino over the head. Like, mm. how, was, how was that? How was that? You know, how was your trip man, to Vegas? It, like it was, was crazy. It was – yeah, it was unreal. So we, I went out there Wednesday through Friday of last week, and my birthday was actually Thursday. So it was like a quick 48-hour birthday trip. Happy belated. And I appreciate that. Thank you. And when I say that the birthday luck was on my side, that was an understatement. Like I had, I don't know if y'all are familiar with craps, but I had the role of my life. And so there's a there's a bet that hits 150 to 1. It's called All, all Tall where you hit all the big numbers. And then there's another 150 to one bet where it's called all small and you hit all the small numbers. So I hit the all tall twice and the all small once, all in the same role. And that is unheard of, man. Had the whole casino going crazy. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. So 
I think I think it's safe to say I won't be going back to the casino anytime soon because I know I can't win no more after this. <laughs> yeah, you Gucci, you Gucci. No. <laughs> I'm yeah, good. Yeah. From the footage I saw, I saw Gilly yeah. running across the room. <laughs> uh, then the camera panned yeah. to you. You had the Kobe Bryant locked in face. I was like, oh my goodness, this guy is. They're locked in. They, I'm like, do they they let y'all just scream and go crazy like this in the casino and? Yeah. Like I was having a blast like that. No, it was it was fun. Usually it doesn't get that crazy, but when you when you got a role going on like I had going on, you got you got to let us get active and have fun with it, and that's what we did. So, how long were you on the table? Uh so I'll probably my role probably lasted a good forty five minutes. Mm. Like that's it was not too long. Yeah, <laughs> in and out, quick trip, man. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm talking about a single roll, like, before you crap out. Like, I only got the dice once and rolled for 45 minutes straight and oh. got up out of there. Yeah, yeah, like, on one single roll. So it was it was crazy. Oh, my goodness, man. What a time to be alive. Hey, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going in uh, in March, so you got to give me some tips, bro. You gotta give me okay, some tips. yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. Facts. Well, I guess you can give us some tips about how the Chiefs continue to win Super Bowl because you were part of a run yourself. Uh, and mm -hmm. speaking about just that game in general your initial thoughts of course slow start in the first half McCaffrey fumbles in the first drive mm -hmm. Chiefs fumble right on the goal line it's like mm -hmm. the offenses weren't really clicking early but then towards mm -hmm. the end of the game things started to get moving Patrick Mahomes mm -hmm. does what Patrick Mahomes does and wins the game mm -hmm. for the Chiefs what, what were your thoughts and and what did you see from the contest I guess my initial thoughts um watching the game was for like the first three quarters, it was a sloppy game on both sides of the ball. Like, uh, after at halftime, we looked up and we're like, this game is nasty. Like, <laughs> we don't, we don't know which way it's going to go, but it's just like some bad football being played right now. And that's what really stuck out to me the most on that game. Um, I will say, I tell people all the time, like, when you're playing Pat, like, y'all got to be head and heels better than the Chiefs to beat them. If it's a close game, Pat's going to be the difference. Like, if you're going into the fourth quarter and the difference is only seven to ten points, that's not going to get it done. Like, Pat is going to be the difference. And we see it time and time again. And speaking of Vegas, I don't know how they went into this game with the Chiefs as underdogs, but, And you get know. motivation. Are you getting motivation. Yep. Like that's Every not single what, time. It's not what the San Fran wanted. And you spoke about mm -hmm. Pat. And I just want to know from your experience, because you were in the same position, right? Down by double digits against San Francisco in the Super Bowl. But when you're on the bench and you're knowing that you have a number 15 on your squad, what does that do for the confidence level on the defensive side of the ball, knowing if y'all get a couple stops, that guy can bring us back? Yeah, so one of the great things about playing with Pat is you truly do not feel like the game is over until the clock hits zero zero. And I know every team like would like to say that. Every team's like, oh, we play up until like, you know, the clock strikes zero. That's not the case with every team. Like if you if you get in the break if you get in the doors blown off you, like you know it's time to pack it up. But with Pat, like, it's different. You know if you get two back to back stops, anything is possible. So it's just the mindset is different when you play like with a, when you play with a player like that. Yeah, man. And you also played under a defensive coordinator who continues to prove why he is arguably the best defensive coordinator of all time, Steve Spagnuolo, yeah. um, mm -hmm. being able to win his fourth Super Bowl. And this mm -hmm. time around, he was the talk of conversation, you know, going to the Super Bowl. It was his side of the ball. The Chiefs defense 
carrying this squad this year. One, how happy that you're you're seeing Steve and getting all that recognition from national attention, but then also what makes Spags so special? Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a lot to unpack with Spags because I played with him for for a large part of my career. Um, first and foremost. I'm so excited for him, and I'm glad he's getting his just due. I'm glad people are starting to recognize that he's one of the greatest defensive minds that this game has ever seen, because it hasn't always been like that. I remember when I played for the Chiefs, um, what was it, from 2019 through 2022, I'm not going to lie, they were trying to run Spags out of town. Mm-hmm. Like I, like those those first couple seasons that Pat had with the Chiefs, our defense was terrible. And I'm telling you, Chiefs fans, national media, all these guys were trying to run Spags out of town, but we knew what we had within the locker room and kind of transitioning into the second part of your question where you're saying like, what makes Spags so great? To me, it's his consistency and the consistency of doing things his way. So like earlier in like 2019, 2020, 21 seasons when the Chiefs defense wasn't all that, Spags was still teaching the scheme. Like he never abandoned his scheme and he just kept building and building and building and to him, the Chiefs never invested in their defense like they did the past two seasons. So earlier in those seasons when the defenses weren't great, it's because we had all the talent on the offensive side of the ball. But now the Chiefs start putting some draft picks into that defense, and you get to see that brilliant mind of Spags. And, you know, I say that to say it's just been a long time coming for him. I'm happy that he's finally getting it just due. And I know we talked about him last time you were on the pod, but I know Dion, you, you mentioned Chris Jones earlier. Do you want to ask him any questions about like the impact that Chris Jones has had? Yeah, I mean, him affecting the game, I think he was really the difference maker. And I mean, you can, I think it's safe to say that you can say he probably should be up there for MVP. Um, I mean, what is his preparation like? Is he this animal of a dog the whole way through the season? Uh, I mean, starting out the season, I mean, he started out in a in a press box yeah. with the commissioner, um, you know. So, so that feels like, like so long ago. I know, yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. But like, what is his preparation like? Is is this the mentality that he had to win the Super Bowl? I mean, can we give him just as much credit as Pat when it comes to you know what they did to this, this Niners uh, offense? Yeah, no, true. So Chris's mentality is he truly feels like he's unblockable, mm-hmm. and when you watch him play up close, like it's that's the reality. Like when he wants to play and when he wants to turn it on, there's not one person in this league that can block him one-on-one. Like first, if you look at him, he's just a massive human being about six, six, three, 10, not in a fat way. Like that three, 10 looks like it's a defensive end three, 10. So, so he has the footwork of a smaller guy, but he has the size and the strength of a bigger guy. His hands are elite. He never gets touched in the chest. He always wins clean. And that's just what makes him so disruptive if he gets back there so fast. Like, it's not – when he wins, it's not a, a three, four, five-second win. It's a one-and-a-half to two-second win for him, and that's the difference with him. He gets back there so quick, and it disrupts the offenses like you see. Man, he's different. And, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask about the – you know, this seemed to be the, the talk of the – you know, after the game is the, the preparation of not knowing about the overtime rules. Um, mm-hmm. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that preparation looks like from Andy Reid um, when it comes to games? Is he really this meticulous in knowing every single thing that y'all need to know to, to make sure that we're there's no excuses of if we're going to win or lose this game? We You should know everything. So what is right. that preparation like for Andy Reid? 
Yeah, like we Big Red, which is Andy Reid, we call him Big Red within the facility, but he he dots all his I's and crosses all his T's. Like Saturday is our situational practice, which is really just a walkthrough. And that's the day we don't have on any pads, no helmets. It's literally a walkthrough, but it's a mental day because we're going over all the situational like football scenarios. So whether that's overtime, whether that's if it's fourth and one, whether that's you know, interception, sudden change, any sort of scenario that might pop up on the field, we're going over those situations on Saturday. And if I'm being completely honest, most teams that I've played on do that on Saturday. So it was a little surprising for me to hear that the 49ers weren't aware of the overtime rules. And I know, I mean, I feel like they've changed the rules so much that like, I don't even know the overtime rules anymore, but when you're in that game, especially a game like the, especially a team like the 49ers who it's Super Bowl or bust for them. Mm -hmm. Like they know they're going to the Super Bowl. So these are scenarios you have to go over. And I know Kyle Shanahan's a Texas guy, but that's something that, you know, they, they dropped the ball with that. And I, I've never seen a situation like that where the players don't know what's going on. And you got to feel bad for Kyle, right? I mean, mm -hmm. three Super Bowls, you know, and then you're going against mm -hmm. the greats, you know, all of them. You know, it's just not mm -hmm. a recipe for success. Uh, but being a Texas guy, though, and knowing all the stuff that he's been through and the, the teams that he's carried to the biggest stages, I mean, it sucks. It sucks watching him give up these double-digit leads because he's a great coach. And I just hope that people don't discredit everything that he's accomplished in this league, which is the hardest league in all the leagues of sports. And for him to not win it all, I just, I just hope that eventually he does get one. What do you think, A.O.? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I'm a big Kyle Shanahan fan. I think he's one of the best offensive minds in football. And him being a Texas guy, you know, I just got that much more love for him. Um, people just got to realize there's no shame in losing to Pat. Like, until somebody knocks Pat off that mountain, there is absolutely no shame in losing to this dude. And that's just what it comes down to. Um, I do think, I mean, the good thing about Kyle and the 49ers is they got the roster, they got the talent. For the next three, four years, they'll be in this situation again. But, you know, if, if Pat's standing on the other side of the ball, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's going to look any different. I don't know if the result is going to look any different. So, you know, we're, we're in a crazy time when it comes to when it comes to football and the talent in the league. Yeah, it, it's yeah, because I mean, how much better can you make this team? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, what? Literally, <laughs> they got four first round picks on the D line. They got pro bowlers at every level on the defense. Like they finally got their guy at quarterback. Like offensive player. They're of the too year. deep in like, <laughs> offensive player of the year. There's their second string running back could be a starter on any other team. Like I, I mean, at this point, you just got to stay the course. Like that's what it comes down to. You got to stay the course. You got to continue to build, and uh, you just got to remember this feeling that they felt last night and take that with them into next season. Oh, man. Well, look, before we get out of here, I, I did want to give you some time because man, I've been following your pod, mm -hmm. too, behind the face mask, dude. You've been killing it, especially since the last time we talked. I know there's some discussions about what was going to happen after football season. Well, you figured it out. Uh, you're talking to the guys heading to the mm -hmm. NFL draft and uh, getting dudes like Byron Murphy, who, by the way, dude, the mock drafts, the streets are talking. Right, right. <laughs> the streets. I, are I said the same thing, man. Yeah. What was that conversation yeah. like with, with B Murph, bro? And then how has it been, you know, postseason mm -hmm. and getting these interviews with the guys that are heading to the next level? Yeah. So just to promote the uh, podcast for the fans listening out there, it's behind the face mask. 
I have a YouTube channel. Just type in Behind the Face Mask on YouTube, and the channel and all of the interviews will come up. Um, getting back to Byron Murphy, like you said, he he had an incredible season, and I felt like he got better and better as the season went on. So it's been it's been amazing to see like these draft grades, and it's always cool to see like who rises in the draft, who falls in the draft, going off a of film study. And I felt like just watching from the naked eye that there's not many D tackles in college ball that's better than Murph. I mean, we all knew about Sweat, but I feel like Murph was kind of our like secret weapon up front. Like he wasn't getting the publicity that Sweat was getting. But when you turn on that tape, you saw that he was just as dominant. And now these these draft boards are starting to reflect that. And I'm happy for him. Um, kind of getting into the conversation that I had with him on my uh, podcast, Behind the Face Mask, Murph, he is the epitome of nasty. Like he, like when, when you think of like a dog in that nasty, like mentality that you want to kind of anchor your defense, that's him. No need to look any further. That's Murph right there. You got everything you need. Like this dude came into the interview with black forces on oh. and they was laced up to a T. Like, you know what type of dude this dude is. Like, you, know <laughs> you know what time he's on. And, and I absolutely love it. I think scouts are going to love it. And not only is he, like, nasty on the field, but when you meet him off the field, like, you can tell he has an edge to him. But he's, like, he's a good dude, man. Like, you never hear any negative things about him. I think he's only going to continue to rise up the draft boards when the coaches start talking to him and he goes to these team interviews. And I'm happy to see where he gets taken. Hey, man, I'm, I'm happy to see where your career is getting taken, bro, because you've been killing it, as always. You already know I got your support. Any and every day, dog. And uh, wh where can people find the next episode? Do you have a date for the next drop or no? So I do not have a date for the next drop yet. I wanted to – I had a short list of guys that I wanted to get through. I got through all those guys now. Now I'm going to let the uh, the draft process kind of take care of himself. And I'm thinking for the next couple episodes, I'm going to start looking into some of the uh, – some of the ex-UT athletes, some of the guys that are currently playing in the league right now. So that's where I might take the direction of the podcast moving forward. So. Man, people are going to love that, bro. They are going to love that. Yeah, including I'm myself. This, I've been, oh, no doubt. I've been meaning to connect with a couple guys, so uh, I'm excited about it. Well, man, like I said, excited to see where your career takes you. And always, you know, you got a bro deal on this side. Uh, thank you so much, bro. You don't, you don't have to do this, by the way. Like, people don't understand do the hop on the most nose pod. They don't have to do it. And so thank mm -hmm. you so much for taking your time to talk with us about your former team, about Pat, about Anthony Reed, about Spags, and of course your own pod, man. Uh always love supporting you and uh thank you again. No, thank you for having me, man. Real recognized real. And uh I appreciate the support from both of y'all. Man, great interview with my boy AO, man. A lot of laughs, but also a lot of great content, huh? Dion, what'd you get from that? Man, uh he gave us a lot of insight. I mean, letting us know how, you know, methodical um, Andy Reid was, Steve mm. Spagnola. Um, I mean, this was dope. This was dope. And just kind of figuring out, like, he was even shocked that, yo, how do you not know the overtime rules? Yeah. Uh, you know, which is, you know, it's it's something like afterwards, it's like, oh, yeah, everybody should know. But, you know, like he said, they did change it. They have been changing it these last couple of years. Um, so, I guess that's something that slipped through the cracks, but you know, it just shows that the right team won, I guess you can say, but what about you? Yeah. I, I just loved how you talked about the confidence of having Patrick Mahomes on your team. You know, it's like as a defensive guy, you know, if you just make one stop, make a couple good runs, the guy 
number 15 is going to carry y'all to a victory. If you're down by 10, if you're down by 17, if you're down by 25 points, like it don't matter, right? And so I think that was super cool. And for him to be able to experience that in his own time in the NFL with the Chiefs, that's pretty dope, right? To say that <laughs> you play with Patrick Mahomes, that must be awesome. But uh, you spoke about, speaking about confidence, I'm confident that y'all would like this next interview with Tevin Mims. Stony Point grad, went to Texas, transferred over to South Florida, and of course played in the league for a little bit. Man, he's one of my homies that I met out here that now we've started to grow a relationship. And, and to see his grind and his passion for after football has been dope to see. And he's still helping out in the community. We actually just talked at a local college showcase with a bunch of high school athletes who haven't signed right now after the signing day. And he helped out during that camp. And so I hope you all enjoy this conversation around the football game of Chiefs versus 49ers. But then, of course, we, we kind of talked about the recruiting lands, landscape, right, and how the transfer portal has affected things for seniors who haven't had the opportunity to play at the Power Five conferences because they're utilizing the transfer portal. So a lot of great stuff on the horizon with this interview with my guy, Tevin Mims. All right, so now I'm joined by, hey, Austin legend, Tevin Mims, Stony Point, you know what I'm saying, in the building. Hey, I appreciate it. Glad to have you here, Brody. Really glad. Okay. Let's talk about this game, though. Man, I know you're a football sure. mind, and I respect your mind. And so, from your mind, what did you see from the game on Sunday? Honestly, man, that game lived up to to pretty much what I expected, man. I remember talking to you about this uh, on the field. I really thought it was going to come down to two teams playing really good defense, mm -hmm. and it was going to come down to the last possession. Even though I, didn't, I wasn't expecting overtime, but I knew it was going to come down to the last possession. Uh, I always said, man, two good quarterbacks playing in the game. You just got to hope it's not in 15's hand at the end of the game because he's going to put it in the end zone just like he did. So really good game, man. I think it lived up to the expectation. I think it was one of the all-time uh, games that we've watched in the Super Bowl, especially in our time. And mm -hmm. uh, hats off to the Chiefs for getting it done. I mean, you talked about Pat, right? And the ability yeah. to finish games at this level. I mean, it. I was telling – uh, Dion earlier, and I think we talked about this in the pod earlier, just about how, like, I get what the old heads are talking about when they say when Jordan had the ball, you just yeah. knew he was going to win. Yeah. I feel the same way with Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you give him a minute left, you're cooked, you know? Like, how does it feel, like, in your mind to see a dude like this in our era to be able to accomplish stuff like this? Dude, Pat, Pat has definitely has that all around him, that Jordan type of superstar status at this point. Uh, I said this after the game, and don't quote me on this. I'm okay. just talking. I'm talking for you. Right, quote him, quote him. Make sure you quote him. Don't, don't quote me. But I was like, man, as soon as he threw that ball in the end zone and scored it, I said, man, he. I think he just really put himself in the GOAT conversation, truly in the GOAT conversation, because the way that that kid's playing and the upside that, he's ha that he has, I think he's what, Pat is what, 28, 29? Yeah. So a, a lot of upside, probably ten years still left to play. I mean, I don't, I don't see this train slowing down at any point. So uh, they're gonna have to deal with fifteen for a long time in this league. Man. Don't say that. Don't say that. Yeah. We, we need a, we need a Lamar ring. I know, I know. It. I would love to see Lamar get it done, man. But I mean, I, I think Pat kind of solidified himself last night, man. And if he go and do it again next year, I think 
I think he he he's right there. You could you could make Tom Brady comparisons. I hate to say it, but <laughs> he, he's on his way. He's on his way. He's on his way. Well, he's right you, there. Y'all gonna make y'all gonna make Tom come out of retirement. <laughs> y'all know how competitive he is. He's gonna come out of retirement <laughs> and he's gonna say, Hey, who's the you know what? I'm gonna be the backup for y'all. So if no you doubt. get a ring, I get a ring. Yeah. No doubt. Y'all know, y'all know how competitive Tom one. is. Plus one. Mm-hmm. And you know, you being a defensive guy, right? Back in your yeah. day, the the job that Spags did throughout not just the game but this yeah. season, we were just on the, yeah. the pod with Okafor, and he mentioned how he feels like Spags is finally getting the recognition that he deserves as a defensive coordinator, winning four Super Bowls. I mean, that's yeah. crazy. Um, from your eyes, what, what did that defense do so well for Kansas City, and what have they? Did he did he win them all with the Chiefs? No, so he actually won one against that. With the Ravens? Well, York, the Ravens? Giants, when they played the, the undefeated Patriots team. That's um, what it was. He was, was a coordinator for them. Yeah, so he beat that Tom Brady-Randy Moss squad. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's been able to accomplish this for years. And so yeah, now yeah. people are talking about him on that level. Yeah, I mean, uh, for a guy like Spags, man, I mean, you've been hearing that name around the league for a long time, especially being a defensive guy. But – uh uh, I mean, honestly, man, uh, he, after this year, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's had some opportunities to get some head head coaching gigs. I don't know if that's the route that he wants to go, but I mean, he's, he solidified himself as, as the top coordinator in the league after the performance that he's done, in my opinion, through the playoffs, especially, and last night, for sure. And one thing uh, Okafor talked about was Chris Jones, right? And yeah, yeah. he said that when when Chris doesn't want to be blocked, he's not going to be blocked. And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, from your eyes, what do, where do you see the impact that he made? I know he made that big-time play on third down to kind of cause pressure in overtime um, to cause that rush bro. throw by Purdy. But, yeah, when you're watching him. Bro, I was, I, was, I was watching the trenches the entire game, you know, me just being a defensive guy, defensive lineman. But, uh, I thought, honestly, I thought they did a good job kind of managing him throughout the night. I mean, he made plays when he needed to make them, which that's the type of guy that he is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, honestly, man, I, I got to give credit kind of on both sides as, as we uh, refer back to last night's game, man. I mean, it was a back-and-forth game. Uh, their defensive line for the, uh, for the for the, for the the San Francisco, for the 49ers, mm-hmm. they ended up making some plays. The Chase Young finally stepped up. So the Chiefs got the Chiefs guys are making some plays too. So in my opinion, man, it was just it was good championship football, and they put that shit on display last night. The shit was it was fun to watch. Yeah, uh, Usher, bro. Uh, side note, <laughs> what how we how we? That's the one. Hey, you hilarious. <laughs> hey, Usher. Yeah, yeah. What Usher, you think of the bro. Performance, man? I forgot. Hey, I I forgot. forgot. Well, it just popped up my mind. I'm mad we didn't ask Alex about this, but low key, right, how you feel about him and Alicia, dog? Like, I mean, hey, hey I just know if a man put his hands on my wife like that, we gonna have a conversation. <laughs> We're gonna have a conversation after the fact. I'm just saying, man. Two ball over with that's the cool. You know, us, he got the residency, yeah, he got he taking girls from the show and all that, man. Like, you gotta do it on stage in front of everybody, too. But uh, Bro, nah, man, the man. people, men, the people, hold yeah, your yeah. wife. Like, million yeah, people with two like arms, with two arms, two arms, she's rocking, rocking. He's showing all teeth, all teeth. You know what I'm saying? Caressing, caressing, singing my boo. Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, uh, I mean, overall, though, I, I thought the performance was really dope, man. Yeah. I, really, I really did. I, th- I thought it kind of lived up to the expectation. I thought that he uh, he did a good job kind of 
kind of tying in his career over it, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to bring out JD, being able to bring out uh, uh, Luda and, yeah. and Lil Jon for their performance as well, man. So I thought it was entertaining, man. Hats off to Usher, too. Did you also think JD was CeeLo Green? Or was that just... Yeah, Twitter was killing, bruh. Man, Twitter's I, a great place. I ain't gonna lie, bro. I knew that was JD, but now that you say it, he did look like CeeLo. He did, he do look like CeeLo in that suit. Twitter was killing <laughs> him, man. Bro, I'm not gonna lie, bro. We was at a news station, dog. He came on screen. One of the homies was like, dang, CeeLo lost a lot of weight. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> No, nah, but I thought it was dope overall, though, man. Really Roller skates, bro, came out there like yeah. that. Like, that was a dope performance. Um, Better than, like, of course, like, Rihanna last year was smooth, but she didn't really do none, you know? Yeah, she was pregnant. Like, yeah, she's pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least, he's he dancing, he's singing, he's doing the whole yeah. he's entertaining. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, like you said, great performance. Also, great game. I mean, phenomenal game. Nah, really good game. Uh, really good man, game. Going to the overtime, like you mentioned, one of the greatest finishes that we've seen in a minute. And I just feel bad for the rest of the league because, I mean, the San Francisco 49ers had the formula, right? Yeah. quarterback yeah especially a seventh round mystery relevant contract yeah well you got a lot of cap space to put on other positions and they did that right they they made the best roster i felt like in the league yeah. Yeah. and you still can't beat number 15 yeah. i mean they I mean, it, it sucks for every other tough, team that, thought that was the formula and like if you're playing pat you're cooked so yeah, and it's like, uh, I mean, obviously, man, that turnover they gave the game to a position mm -hmm. that kind of hurt them. I mean, you can kind of pick out plays at the end of the day that that can that you can kind of circle back at the end of the game, right? But shit, if you make it sixteen sixteen going into overtime, it's a it's a fresh game at the end of the day. Shit, they made I think they made enough plays really on for both teams made enough plays whenever they made mistakes to kind of overcome them and put themselves in, in position to have success. Too bad. Fifteen just had the ball at the end of the game. Mm, yeah, that's right. No, I'm telling you, that's if, if Pat has the ball at the end of the game, man, he, he might as well chalk that shit. Yeah, you're cooking. That's, that's sad, bro. <laughs> it is. It is. Imagine, imagine you being a you being a, as cold as everybody else, or you just you you join the NFL at the wrong time. You got to deal with this <laughs> versus time that you got to deal with. And that's like, okay, bet breath of fresh air. Now I got this this Kermit Kermit sounding dude yeah. with the dad bod that yeah. we we just yeah. can't we can't beat him we, we built a drink, super team drink beers and shit you know what I mean? <laughs> his 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 brother's a goofball his dad you know? getting DUIs and it's like damn like no put it like like have y'all ever seen uh, I don't know if they've even ever showed this have you ever seen Pat's warm up before the game have you ever seen nah. him warm up before? Mm -mm. You know what I mean? I feel like he's one of them guys that's just like, just, oh, oh, that was just saying, just coming on the field. And yeah. just coming out there and last, just playing. Last 30 seconds, yeah. You know all right. I mean? You see all those other quarterbacks doing all that little bullshit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah Dak, Dak doing the salsa. I feel like I feel like Pat just come out the locker room, all right, man, y'all ready? All right, cool. Kind of warm his arm up and then just get, go out there get and just like Oh my god! It's an unfortunate situation that the league is in, right? I mean, they're they're cooked. Every other team, if you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, you're probably going to win the Super Bowl or at least get to it. And that's yeah, basically what it is. And he's going to ruin a lot of people's dynasties because, like Baltimore, like the Buffalo Bills, like you would think, like Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, like these guys should be going to the Super Bowls, but. Patrick Mahomes exists. So, I mean, you're not. He's spoiling it for everybody. You're man. not. You're not. But I did want to transition, though, because you talked about setting yourself up for success. 
and having yeah. that opportunity to do that with the Patrick Mahomes. And this past week, though, we had a lot of high schoolers setting themselves up for a success at the yeah, college yeah. showcase hosted by Anthony Williams and Anthony Wood. Saw you out there coaching, helping out. Appreciate yeah. your work for volunteering, by the way, on Super Bowl Sunday. You didn't have to do that, but you did it anyways. When it comes to a showcase like that, right, and for a lot of high school students that are about to go to the next level or trying to reach the next level and they haven't been signed yet, why do you think that is? And what do you think the transfer portal has to do with it? Well, uh, first of all, man, just going back to the event, man, shout out to Coach Will for being able to throw that deal. I think it's going to get bigger and bigger, especially as the transfer portal continues to remain intact. But uh, I think that's extremely important, man. And you're going to start to see more and more camps uh, show up to kind of get these kids that exposure, right? But uh, just like we're talking about, that transfer portal is the beast right now, man. And a lot of colleges, to a lot of college guys, their priority is going to be more towards the portal because they can go find a kid that already has experience, right? As opposed to a high school kid, inexperienced, we're going to have to break them in. Yeah, we can continue to build our programs on these young guys. But why not? If, shit, if you got a guy who's played three years, why not yeah. be able to go get him out of the transport portal and plug him in, right? But uh, at the end of the day, right, as soon as one door closes, another one opens, it's going to create a lot more opportunity for the smaller schools, uh, the D2, the mid-majors, the non-Power 5 type schools, right, That uh, that's not going to go get those top-tier kids in the uh, transport portal like a Texas can, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, it's going to fall back. Uh, you're going to start to see it start to kind of scale off and the smaller schools are start to, their level of play is going to get better, right? Because their talent pool is going to is gonna grow at the end of the day, right? Yeah. But uh, to answer your question, man, that, that transport portal is such a beast that camps like this are going to have to, they're going to have to be more reoccurring. Yeah, it, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Dion, you have something? No, I'm just, I'm just thinking like how quickly this is all changed, you know, with the transfer portal coming in, like you would think like, you know, it used to be big hype with signing day, but now it's yeah. like, okay. I mean, you so, signed. So okay. put it like this, right? You got the transfer portal, which just popped, which just popped off essentially through COVID or right after COVID right around there. And then they just make, they just threw in uh, NIL along with mm -hmm. it. Right. So, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, that's, two <laughs> that's two different beasts. Hey, how much money you would have made back yeah. in the day, dog? Man, hey. I just wish we would have had that motherfucker back. <laughs> I would have been a lot better off. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't you. put a number on it. No, it's, it's, it's kids that's not even touching the field, making close to a million dollars. Not touching the field, and that's, bro. And, that's and hadn't even hadn't even hadn't proven anything. Mm -hmm. Just kind of going off speculation, what your upside is, and all that bullshit. But I wish I I wish I had a million dollars just to go sit the fucking bench for a year. Man, that'd be but, nice. Uh, Imagine. But uh, yeah, that, yeah. Going back to the transfer portal, mm -hmm. man, it, it's, it's it's a fucking beast. It's a beast. And like I said, with nil being able to get mixed in with it, and nil is not a whole lot of rules to that shit right now. They're just kind of making that shit up. They're just kind of making that shit up as they go. So. <laughs> yeah. You so, get a I mean, meal. You get a meal. You get a meal. You get a meal. You get a meal. You know what I mean? Like, oh, damn. Can I get a meal too? Oh, man. And like you mentioned, bro, no, like man. when it comes to a bunch of these guys that are unsigned and you saw a lot of talent yeah. out there this weekend that don't have any substantial offers, man, yeah. how does it feel knowing that the talent that are like the hidden gems per se, there's more and more of those. And what do you think happens to those type of kids that don't go to those top tier power five conferences, but are not yeah. stuck at 
not I want to say stuck, but now has to settle yeah. for kind of like a North Texas or even like a Texas State where you coached at. So, so just kind of like you saying, right? It's kind of give and take to it, right? Like I said, one door closes and it opened up. It opened up other opportunities, right? So, just like those kid, those kids who can't go get the Power Five offers right now, right? They can go to a North Texas. They can go to a Texas State, right? Play there for one or two years. Probably make a little money with the NILs, <laughs> you know what I mean, and then put themselves in position to be able to go transfer transfer to a higher school, right? So, uh, just like you see kids kind of jumping ship now, I think I don't think that's going to slow down at all. Just with those guys going to those lower level schools, they'll probably go there one two years and put themselves in position to go P five. Okay, well I, I'm excited to see like where does this nil thing go because you're right like it's i am there's too. no rules it's crazy right now. it's crazy right but now somebody crazy. has to rein this mug in because <laughs> it's impossible to kind of keep everything contained and especially with the money that nah, i'm no hearing question. that is out there and now you got schools well, like getting better managers I, I say this yeah they got gms <laughs> and shit like yeah like this is yeah. this is college football, man, and I get it. You need somebody to be able to go manage all the bullshit that's going on with this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm serious, yeah. but uh, man, I say all that to say, man, uh, with all that's going on between at the player level, right? They're gonna have to start paying those coaches. More. Mm. They're gonna have to start paying the coaches more, man, because at the end of the day, the coaches are the ones that got to manage that shit, yeah. right? The coaches are the ones that got to manage the players. They got to manage the off field, the off the field bullshit that they go through. They got to manage uh, being able to get these guys ready. They're gonna take a lot of responsibility for the uh, the poor performance or the positive performance that's being displayed on Saturdays. So, at the end of the day, the headache and, and the hours and the grind that shit falls more on the coaches yeah. than anybody. You know what I mean? So, in my opinion, they're gonna have to up that pay for those coaches, man. Like, you're gonna start seeing coaches. Make millions of dollars like his neck. Well, you talk about coaches having to manage situations now and all the personality traits. Texas State, they're going through a situation yeah. where GJ Kenny, he's going to have to manage this quarterback situation, you know, because yeah. you know you bring in a guy like Jaden Delora who has a track record. Campus didn't really like yeah. it. <laughs> Campus hated it actually, yeah. kicked him out of town, and so now you don't have a QB one. And so, in your opinion, from what you've seen. And from what you know, what, what's going on down at Texas State, and what is, what is your thoughts on it? Um, as far as the quarterback situation, yeah. or just even just a, the team in general, you know, finally having success, and then of course two yeah. months later, now you don't even have a QB one at this point. Yeah, at the end of the day, man, it's still early. Mm-hmm. Speaking from a coaching standpoint, right? It's still early, still off season, right? A uh, long time to be able to get on that field until what September, first week of September. Long time till then, right? So. Uh, every every school, every single university has bullshit that comes up within the off season, but it's just part of the job for you to be able to go fix it as a coach. It's kind of that's kind of what makes it fun at the end of the day, right? So uh, with him, with that kid being able to leave campus, in my opinion, Texas State probably just wasn't the school for that kid, right? But with the track record, what they have, with GJ being a quarterback guy, quarterback coach, offensive guy, I don't think he's gonna have a problem going out and getting another. Right, but uh, uh, as, as far as Texas State and their success, man, I'm I'm more than happy for those yeah. guys. Right, a lot of those yeah. guys I coached, I recruited the Jordan Revelses of the world, the Ben Bells of the oh. world. Uh, yeah. You know, seeing those guys, seeing those guys go out there and have success, man. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of them because I know that the, the 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 hills and valleys that they went through while we were there to kind of get to that point, 
And for them to be able to go get that as soon as we left, I think we was doing something right as far as being able to put some pieces together for the foundation. But obviously we couldn't get it done, but hats off to them for keeping that shit rolling. Yeah, you basically the Mark Jackson of Texas State, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. You put it together, you wow. know what I'm saying? I mean, Real to be honest, shit, though, to be honest. I put that shit together and, hey, and they hit the dice yeah. off. They hit, they hit as soon as I get off the dice, hey, man. Hey, it's crazy how it works, though, huh? Set the foundation. That's crazy, man. Set the foundation. That's exactly. Exactly. The foundation. But, man, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, I'm, I'm happy that uh, that uh, that uh, football is starting to get get a little bit better just in the Austin area, right? So you got Texas State doing some good stuff. They're saying that Texas is back as well. Uh, we got some good high school football going on right now. So it's a, it's a good time to be in Central Texas as far as football. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited as well. And like you said, a lot of talent at that showcase to uh, to, yep. to prove to a lot of college coaches because Coach Wood and Coach Williams, they also mentioned in their interviews with me about how like when schools say they recruit Texas, they recruit Dallas and Houston. Uh, they don't really recruit Austin. And so do you feel that same yeah. sentiment coming from this area and knowing that you were a high-touted recruit? Do you feel that same way? Yeah, uh, just through the history of town, man, uh, for some reason or another, Austin has always had a, a stigma of our kids being more soft than the Houston or the Dallas kids, right? But I, I honestly don't I don't see that once I'm recruiting a kid to be able to come play, play for me or play for anybody else, right? So... If a kid can play, he can play. Uh, all the all the kids that I've come across in terms of being able to play at a high level from the Austin area, all those kids have been um, really high character kids, very, very coachable, uh, work hard as fuck, yes sir, no sir type of kids, more blue collar type of kids. So uh, at the end of the day, man, I think that does need to change, but we got to do a good job of just being able to shed light on these kids as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. Being able to That's over here though, right? to do that exactly 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 that's why you're here on the pod too bro thank you uh you didn't have to do this yes lord you did not have to do this yes lord hey man this is fun hey bro anytime (laughs) you call me to come do something man i'm all you know we got you it's all love it's all love you know we got you bro yeah i'm just glad that god made our paths cross and uh man i'm just can't wait to see what you continue to do in the media industry and in the coaching industry man because you're doing all. Most you're all over the place, bro. Who's going to Houston? Going to Dallas? Going hey, to I'm Austin? trying. I'm trying. He don't sleep. Hey, he so don't look, sleep. man. One of the reasons why I got out of college football, right? Be able to spend a little bit more time mm-hmm. at home to try to be able to just kind of find myself outside the game, right? So I made a vow to myself this year. I'm, I'm gonna try to spread myself thin as much as possible, man. So you're gonna be keep. You're gonna keep seeing me everywhere, hopefully. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, thank you again, Tevin, for hopping on, yes, buddy. Yeah, man. Look, this has been a great pod. Uh, jeez, this has been a banger. Yeah. Ride. I mean, do you have any? Uh, I mean, final thoughts for me. <sighs> final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, any plans for Valentine's Day? <laughs> you know what's crazy, bro? I was I was on air uh at the desk this past week. Um, I was anchoring one of the newscasts, and one of the uh one of the news anchors said like. Yeah, Corey, uh, great weather for Valentine's Day for your date, right? I'm like, man, on national TV, we talking about, bro. That's a crazy lie, bro. It's a crazy lie. <laughs> I'm like, are we serious? And like, mind you, he didn't warn me. He was going to say that. Like, he didn't, we didn't talk about it beforehand. And so I'm like frozen. Like, what do I say? A- we got thousands of people watching. Like, do I, do I come off as like, 
I ain't got no date. Oh, poor me. You know what I'm saying? Do I come off cocky? Like, oh, I don't need a date. Like, I'm fine. Like, I all these thoughts are going on through my mind in a matter of seconds, right? And so I don't know. I just said something like, like, oh, I'm good. I ain't got no money to spend anyways. I have no date to spend money on. Something like that. I, I use the money factor. But uh yeah, dude. Yeah, man. I'm like, bro, I ain't got no date for Valentine's. Okay, look, final thought. What's what's like one of the worst gifts to receive as a guy? Mm. One of my uh, aunts, when I was a freshman and sophomore in college, gave me like a cookbook. It's like, <laughs> first off, I'm in college. We all know in college you don't. I didn't got money to bro, bro. <laughs> what groceries am I getting in college, bro? To get a whole, and then, you know the cookbook isn't really like, oh, you know, you just warm it up in the oven. But no, it's like one of those cookbooks where you need like a one ounce of sugar, one ounce of spice, yeah. one <laughs> ounce of cinnamon. You know, you need this oil, you need that oil. I'm like, bro, I ain't meal prepping. Like, I ain't got the bread for this. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah uh, don't have the cookbook anymore. Not um, I am cooking, by the way. Let's let let's do set that precedent. We have surpassed the whole college phase. Dion and I both definitely consider ourselves chefs in the kitchen but yeah. i just needed that cookbook later <laughs> in my life not not yeah, freshman no. sophomore if y'all year. don't if y'all don't know me and Corey live together this dude was eating high bro why are we like, sharing information every day yo <laughs> no way we're sharing information right now yeah bro, high, bro that's not a, that's not something terrible but it's just like yo that's how we were we were you know we what were I mean? we were struggling like yo my dude would say yo bro it's just one of them weeks bro like <laughs> Wait for this check. Wait for this. Like, yeah, bro. Just, like, yeah, bro. That's all you get. Yeah, bro. That's all I got, right bro. That's all I got, bro. Got some so beanie, yeah, beanies and weenies, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, for her to get you a cookbook is crazy. Like, dang. This is, yo, no, these pictures are they nice. They look good. I'm not I can't make any of it. <laughs> so, yeah, bro. I'm not, not a big uh, Valentine's Day gift person in general. So, yeah, what you getting your chick? I know you got one. Nah, this this is uh one of my one of my first ones. We dolo, uh, so I I think I'm ugly. I think that's what that means <laughs> if I don't got a Valentine's right. What so, yeah, what SpongeBob say? I'm ugly year. and I'm proud. I'm I'm ugly. There and I'm we proud. go. Yeah, a little self confidence there. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but one of the worst gifts I got was uh, I got one of those. She got me a. It's like a cape for your, I guess when you shave, it catches all the hair. Mm. I, I never used it. Would you never use it now? It. You think of it ahead of, it, ahead of your time? No. You just, I just don't. I just sweep it oh, up. Oh, that's fact. Just, uh, okay. <laughs> Say less. But I mean, I guess it's, it's, I guess it's useful, but I, I don't know your routine. So you like, know, I don't have what you got. You know what I'm saying? So. Womp, 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 I still look good, though. Let's not. Stop playing. I'm ugly and I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again, Corbin. I'm ugly and I'm proud. <laughs> Let's get out of here, bro. Golly, you played Let's around too go. much. All right, y'all. Thank you again for listening to another episode of Moe's Knows. As always, please like, retweet, subscribe. Um, we're still looking for an editor, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Um, and as always, man, stay prayed up. Stay grinding. As you saw, everyone that we talked to today with Alex Okafor, thank you so much, Alex, for hopping on. Thank you so much, Tevin Mims, for hopping on. But both of those guys are doing outside work. 
I mean, that's how it is. That's how it feels like right now when life's like, you just got to keep grinding and keep doing your thing, but also have a foundation of whatever you believe in, you know, and whatever you kind of, uh, I guess, lean into, man, do that. And uh, I just pray that you continue to chase after your dreams and chase after your goals. And so, Dion, as always, let's end this pod the good way. Yeah. yeah. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Stay up to date with Moe's Nose by subscribing to Corey Moe's on YouTube or simply searching Moe's Nose on Spotify or Apple Music. Thanks for listening and have a great week.